This is Bloomberg Surveillance. If anybody needs capable management teams for the future, it's the commercial banks, right? They're not going to go away. The business isn't going to go away. It's not a sign that the economy is not prosperous. Mm -hmm. The fact that inflation is only 1%, I don't get it. The fourth quarter was bad in terms of GDP. It wasn't bad in terms of jobs. In fact, it was fantastic in terms of job growth. And that's what's the most important. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning, everyone. Michael McKee and Tom Keen. Bloomberg Surveillance Worldwide. We welcome all of you this morning. Bloomberg Surveillance, brought to you by Cone Resnick Accounting Tax Advisory. It can be hard to navigate through economic uncertainty, your business needs, industry insight, and transformative advice to drive it forward. Find out why at Cone Resnick.com. Michael McKee, the yield 1.78%. Watching the currency market at 111.91, stronger yen this morning. Indeed, we're, uh, we're looking at a 111.91 on the yen, but the euro is lower and the pound is lower. The only thing a little bit stronger, maybe the Australian dollar today, because the dollar index is down. Uh, Oh, very good. Uh, Michael McKee, thank you so much. And right now, Stephanie Rule and John Micklethwaite in conversation with Bill, Bill and Melinda Gates. Gates. their annual letter on philanthropy. The question poised this year, if you could have a superpower, what would it be? They write, poverty is not just about a lack of money. It is about the absence of the resources the poor need to realize their potential. Two critical ones are time and energy. I don't think I have either one. Joining us now are the co-chairs, Bill and Melinda Gates Plus, Bloomberg Editor-in-Chief John Micklethwaite. No pressure on me right now. Welcome. Thank you. Every year we read your letters, and they're very positive, very optimistic. This year is no different, but it comes at a time when so many influential voices are warning us of a global perfect storm. Why is it that you continue to be optimistic? What do you see that others don't? Well, I think we see the decline in childhood death around the world. We see when we travel to the developing world, which we've been doing now for over 15 years, life getting better for people. We see a rising middle class. We see so much potential and ingenuity in the developing world. And yet the headlines here are negative. But when you actually read what's actually going on and look at the statistics, life is getting better for most people around the world. Not everywhere all the time, but in general, it is absolutely getting better. There's a lot of stuff, though, in, in the letter, though, which actually is rather depressing. You you use the Thomas Edison example, but it's, what, 150 years since he invented the light bulb, and yet when you look at Africa, you see nothing at night other than darkness because there aren't many electricity lights on there. And you talk about the idea that this could actually be... The message to teenagers is that you have to come up with an answer to solve that energy problem. And I just wondered which of the, which of the particular energies you put the most amount of hope into. Well, it's amazing that... We've got 80% of the world using electricity and almost taking for granted the magic idea that you flip the switch and the light comes on or you just set the temperature and that works. We want to get that to everyone. And so getting the price down uh, by better science, better innovation, and now with this constraint that as we add to the energy system, we cannot emit greenhouse gases, so uh, the old ways won't, won't you work talk, You us. talk about needing a miracle to, to survive yeah, that. Yeah, we need a scientific breakthrough. Uh, we need a miracle like the personal computer, the Internet, or the mobile phone. So we need young people to think, okay, this is the science that's going to make a big difference. And we need R&D money 
that drives it forward. Amazingly, for all the talk about clean energy, the money spent on the demand side, the supply of innovation, that's the R&D increase. Uh, people are just now beginning to, to talk about that, and uh, we want them to follow through. Well, you want to sort of bring electricity to a billion people. It's kind of like a electrical bringing power to the people. But let's say the lights go on around the world. What does the world look like in developing countries? Is there an education system, a health system, jobs for these people to have? Well, there's no doubt their labor has value. The health is our, our biggest area of expertise. That's what the foundation puts most money in. And there we see improving nutrition, reduced childhood death rates. And the, in uplifting a country to be a middle-income country, education, health, infrastructure, good governance, those four really go together. And so we're trying to make sure in Africa that the right things happen to help them get those four elements right. In fact, Ethiopia, if you traveled there a decade ago versus today, second largest country in Africa, you wouldn't recognize it. I mean, a really rising middle class, people moving into the city, starting to use more and more tools. And then in places like Tanzania and Kenya, you have things like digital money at scale. People are are saving small amounts of money now on their phone and being able to pay the school fees. So in some ways, they're leapfrogging because they didn't have hardline phones. They're actually leapfrogging to cell phones. And that has huge power in women if they can get digital money in their hands. Do you still think the basic kind of gospel of free trade and capitalism, that that, that, that works as the way that this is going to go I think through. if you have good governance in these countries and you have consistently good governance, then you start to see that rising middle class because they make all the right economic and infrastructure uh, improvements in the country, and then it just builds from there. Well, it's bad capitalism and bad governance that has so many people here in the United States frustrated. You are inspired to write this letter by speaking to students, teenagers in Kentucky. To those students, what's the message when they say, well, why not help us? Why not improve our education system? Why not help us get jobs? We're faced with a student debt crisis. Well, actually, the, the school that we were interviewed in is a great example of a school that has reformed. It's in Appalachia. It's called Betsy Lane. And we couldn't have been more impressed with the way that the teachers are using their new curriculum, uh, that the way the teachers are learning from each other. That's a big focus for our foundation. In fact, our money spent in the United States almost entirely goes to improving the education system. And we're seeing some strong points of light, uh, like uh, Kentucky started four years ago with these, these reforms. Then does it not surprise you that in the presidential race, there are these outliers that have gained so much popularity because we've got a disenfranchised country? Well, I think they're disenfranchised with what's going on sometimes in politics and on Capitol Hill. But then when you're out on the ground and you talk to teachers and you talk to students about what's going on in their school and they see progress, they're feeling better about what's actually happening locally. Billy, are you a little surprised to discover that you're, you're, not, you're not actually the America's leading business person, the most successful one, is a man called Donald Trump? <laughs> well, well, he's certainly in the news and... Uh, you know, he's, he generates a lot of talk and uh, interest, uh, you know. He doesn't look as if he's going to get your vote. Well, our foundation has done a good job working with both Republican presidents and Democratic presidents. Uh, George Bush did the huge HIV program. Very successful uh, Clinton and Obama have been very good on uh, foreign aid and being supportive of that. In fact, in the 2008 campaign, both candidates, McCain and Obama, committed 
uh, to generous foreign aid and making sure that things like malaria would get lots of resources. So we haven't gotten into the specifics in, in this yet. Can What's I ask Melinda? Can I, can I ask Melinda one quick thing about your about the the, start, the area you focus on, which is that area to do with um, unpaid work and the vast amount that, that, that girls and women right. do and don't get paid for. The one very obvious thing, I found that shocking, but the, perhaps the biggest thing of all out of that is what, what is the solution? Well, we, we do need to have a good policy, I think, nationwide. We have it in three states, a paid family medical leave. Uh, California led on this. You've got New Jersey and Rhode Island. You've got the tech sector seeing it as a competitive edge to have good pay, paid family leave. One thing I am encouraged about in this election is both sides of the aisle are talking about it. I think there's different ways of getting there. But we are behind. I mean, let's look at Western Europe. You know, they have amazing paid family medical leave for both men and women. And it says you can take time off to care for the elderly or care for a child. That makes a huge difference in terms of keeping women in the workforce. And we want women to be able to balance time at home and work. And one of the things I talk about the annual letter is the fact that there's all this unpaid work that happens at home that we don't even call work around mm -hmm. the world, but it is. And so that's one policy thing that would really help in the United States. Are you afraid, if we're really headed, at least here in the U.S., into a recession, the R&D spend that you say is so necessary, the policy changes, could that fall by the wayside at a time when companies just need to survive? Well, the... That's a more negative view of the U.S. economy than I and have. what is your view on the U.S. economy? Uh, well, I see in the tech sector uh, amazing innovation. I see in the health sector uh, fantastic innovation, uh, whether it's stem cells or genetic editing. Uh, I see in the energy and material sector real opportunities for breakthrough as we're able to understand the basic physics of, of materials and catalysts. You, but you, but you, it's interesting you say that. You, you and I have argued about this for a long time. You look at um, energy and we keep on hoping for this thing to come through. And one reason why you call for a miracle is because actually all the things that we keep on hoping are really going to change, they haven't yet come through on energy. Energy seems to be an exception. Well, the, the ironically uh, for the the climate challenge, actually the hydrocarbon area has <laughs> been true. the most innovative. And particularly now that you have slackening demand, the uh, cost reduction work they're doing mm -hmm. about all the inputs they have there makes the bar uh, uh, tougher for the, the clean solution to come along. But energy is cheaper. And uh, because I see so many paths to get an energy solution, I think the chance in the next 15 years that we do get the breakthroughs is very high, and uh, that that's an optimistic view, but it's it's based on the, my view of the science. You have long-term views, and you take long-term action. Are you concerned that more and more of the rest of the world has fallen into this short-termism mindset and business practice? Well, I think one of the things we one of the reasons we keep trying to push and to really promote the idea that you have to go long term is if you don't then you're going to have these acute crises what you're seeing in Europe particularly with the refugee crisis that's not just because of conflict that's because people can't find economic opportunity in their own area and so they get up and move so if we make the right long-term investments in these places people want to stay where they are if they can be healthy get their kids a, in a great education system and get a job so we feel like you have to always focus on the long term and we're always coming to that back to that message because of its importance you two live your lives that way. How do you make this a call to action for others to? CEOs today can't because they have shareholders and activists banging down their door, and regular Americans don't necessarily have the money to make long-term decisions, and politicians certainly don't. 
Well, the best governance is where you look down the road 10 or 20 years and you you build the institutions uh, that'll help you. The United States is the envy of the world because our universities, our national laboratories, in all the key areas uh, that are driving change, they are ahead. Robotics, IT, uh, biology, uh, any of